<coughs> okay, welcome everyone. Merry Christmas. <coughs> I was hoping for some Elvis. <laughs> Next year. So. Ah, yes, welcome. Another Christmas has rolled around. And um, of course, it's a celebration, as Manohar said, of a great being. Baba used to say that the earth celebrates when a great being is born. And so uh, it's that feeling. And I've mentioned before that I was uh, one time, there was a period in the, around 2010, I was doing a lot of interfaith programs with. Uh, we had the World Parliament of Religions here in Melbourne in 2009, I think it was. <clears throat> and uh, there were a lot of interfaith, a flurry of interfaith activity. And uh, one time I, I was invited in a to a seminar at a, at a uh, Catholic, uh, uh, some kind of monastery or something like that. And um, they asked me to speak about the guru. And so I said, well, you know, as Catholics, you know all about the guru if you just remove one idea. Everything you know about Jesus and discipleship and all that uh, is exactly right. If you just remove the one idea that there was, that he was the sole and only uh, person of that kind. And that in India, it's understood that there are many, many gurus that whoever attains that goal uh, is worthy of being a guru, attains the goal of the self. And that's possible for every person. So you just have to uh, make efforts in that direction. And so, uh, so we celebrate Jesus as we celebrate the Buddha, and we celebrate uh, Ramakrishna and Ramana Maharshi, and then our, our own gurus, the Bhagavan Nityananda and Baba. We celebrate all the beings who have attained the goal of self-realization. And they blaze the way for us because when we come to satsang, we're making a statement. We're saying, I value the inner quest. I value the inner search. I may value other things also, but I also value this. And it turns out that the highest priority in our life is to know ourselves. And that if we begin to know ourselves, that we find uh, a wellspring of joy within of wisdom within, of contentment within, peace within. And that all of our strategies looking outside and trying to conquer this world and that world don't give us ultimately peace and satisfaction. But by looking within, connecting to that source within ourselves, we can find that. And that's why we meditate. And that's uh, that's what uh, they end every talk by saying, and that's why we come to satsang. So I, I wanted to say that. <clears throat> so we, um, we celebrate Jesus, and um, uh, for many years I did all kinds of things on Christmas, and I finally came down to the fact that I want to celebrate Baba celebrating Jesus. So uh, I've got a number of question answers with Baba, around Christmas time many years ago when he talks about uh, his idea of uh, Jesus and, and uh, great beings. And these are from Baba's visit to Australia in 1970, 
four. That's going to be 50 years ago next year. And I was with him on that tour. I was three years old. <laughs> but I still remember it. Um, and these are some of the question answers of, of uh, people in 1974. The first one is from Baba with some schoolboys in Melbourne. We want to see, of course we do. Thank you. Okay, here's Baba. We had, I had spent many Christmases with Baba, and they were always fantastic celebrations. Can we see that all? Can you turn the light down a bit? All right. Baba always wore a Santa hat. That's, uh, that's on his uh, perch in Ganeshpur in the courtyard where he met everyone. And here's a <laughs> Christmas celebration. Santa visited the ashram that year. Uh, you can sort of feel the festivity. There's Baba as Santa, also in Ganeshpur. <clears throat> and now what do we have? This is also Ganeshpur. There's Santa. And uh, he's, he's getting grace from Baba, Santa. Is that it? Yeah. Very nice. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, some schoolboys in Kew. We uh, stayed in Kew uh, that year. <clears throat> I remember at the, it was uh, an area where there were huge schools, you know, secondary colleges. You know that place there? There's a lot of big playing fields and, and so on. And a lot of school kids came to visit Baba uh, late in the afternoon after school was over. So this is one schoolboy. He asked Baba, has your religion been affected by Confucianism? <laughs> he must have been learning something in school. Baba says, the main thing for Confucius was that we should lead a happy, useful, and joyful life. So if you know about Confucius, he's very worldly person. He, he was a courtier, and, and so he taught about living uh, the external life very well. <clears throat> Baba says, that's what you have here in the West. They say life should be happy and useful. There wasn't any influence because the Hindu rishis and teachers came before Confucian, Confucius. Vyasa was much earlier than Confucius. Question, what are the five main demands of your religion? He must have been taking a religion course. What are the five main demands? Baba says, <clears throat> nonviolence, ahimsa, truthfulness, satya, uh, not stealing, continence, and non-greed. And if you've done yoga, you will recognize those as uh, the yamas. In uh, Patanjali talks about the yamas and niyamas, these are like practices and, and um, austerities and behaviors that uh, a yogi should practice. <clears throat> Question. Today, is there more than one god in your religion? <laughs> Baba, there are many gods, but they are in one god. Question. Does he create the world? 
Baba. Yes, he created everything. The one whom you call God, we also call God. He made the whole of creation. That is what the scriptures say. God is one for everybody. People call him by different names. <clears throat> Question. This world outside and the world inside, the soul, what about them? <laughs> yeah, what about them? Baba says, are they different or not? Baba says, it's best if you don't believe they're different. What a great answer that is. The world inside, the world outside are one. The kid goes on. Do you believe that after death the soul goes to another person? Baba, it can take a new body according to its karma. Usually a human being is born again as a human being. But if he does bad things or inhuman things, he can become a tree or any living thing. <laughs> That's why it was very nice to the ashram trees, you know. They were, they were past ashramites. <clears throat> Some of them became stones also. <clears throat> and then Sri Rashir was, uh, <clears throat> was an Ann Arbor Ashramite. <laughs> it was evolving back, though. <clears throat> says, the kid says, how do you refer to your God as father? Uh, we refer to him as good shepherd and lord of the world. And Baba says, we call God father. We call him guru, too. And we believe that he lives in the heart of every being. And he lives in the intellect and gives us intelligence. Wonderful answer. Question, has Baba read Christ's Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> Baba says, it's good, it's very good. <laughs> Question, do you believe in heaven? Baba, we believe in two heavens. One in here and one up there. Question, does the soul go to heaven after death? Great, isn't it? Great dialogue. <clears throat> Baba, a soul will go to heaven if it's worthy of going there. Question, in the Bible, in Genesis, it says that God made heaven and earth. Did God make the heavens inside or the heavens outside? <clears throat> Baba, he made both. You get to the heaven outside through the heaven inside. If you find the heaven inside, you don't need the heaven outside. <laughs> That's a great answer, right? That's clever. <clears throat> Question. What's the meaning of the three stripes on the forehead and the red dot? <laughs> Good question. The Bible says, these are to purify the three gunas, the three stripes, the three gunas, the three qualities of being. You know, Rajas, Sattva, and Tamas. Uh, the Gita and other places describe that they're like three strands that create the physical world, the principle of dullness, uh, activity, and purity. All these three, and they're intertwined. So by wearing these stripes, which are made from the ashes of yagnas, uh, it's like conquering uh, physical reality. And he says, the dot is God. And just as the cross stands for Christ or peace, this dot stands for God. <clears throat> now you know, right? Question. 
Do you believe people can be possessed by devils? <laughs> What's Baba going to say to that? <clears throat> Baba says, if a person is strong and pure and prays to God, nothing can get inside him. So there's always some weakness that allows it. But all of us have some weakness, and those little devils, they find the weakness and they get in there. <clears throat> Question, and if it does, can you do exorcism? Baba says, yes, by praying to God. Question, in our religion, we have to have a priest, not an ordinary one, but a special one. Are there priests in your country who can exercise devils? Is that a, that's a Catholic thing, isn't it? <clears throat> Specialists. Baba, yes, if you read the Guru Gita, which we read in the morning, they can be exercised. Any can anyone can exercise them by reading the Guru Gita. Question, how do you think the world is going to end? <clears throat> Baba, what for? It's so beautiful, why should it end? <laughs> Question, do you think the world is going towards destruction? <clears throat> More so now, isn't it? What do you think? Baba says, Nobody can destroy the universe. Some people in the universe can make progress, and some can destroy themselves. The universe will remain for a long time. It won't be destroyed so soon. It can happen after a long time, after thousands of years. <clears throat> Question. We're told when the world ends, God will come down and take us to heaven. Would that be the end of the world? Baba, that's right. That's what's written in our holy books, too. When the world is destroyed, all souls will go to the world of God. They will stay there, and when God creates the universe again, the souls will be given different classes, A, B, C, and D. <laughs> You're a very good boy. That's the end of the dialogue. So beautiful, huh? Baba's so sweet to these, these children that, uh, that spoke to him innocently and beautifully, you know. <clears throat> this is from Sydney, uh, same year. We went, from, went to Perth and then to Melbourne. From Melbourne, we visited Tasmania, came back to Melbourne, and then on to Sydney, and then on to uh, California. <clears throat> So, Sydney, 1974, question. The Christian Bible emphasizes grace. Would Baba speak about the relationship between pride and grace? Baba, man's greatest enemy is pride. There's no hell worse than pride, no misfortune greater than pride. We're in bondage because of pride. <clears throat> What's pride? That's a rhetorical question I'm just asking. This is why we haven't any peace. Pride makes us differentiate between high and low. <clears throat> it makes us say, I'm a saint and they are sinners. The Gita talks about this at length. The Bhagavad Gita means. <clears throat> the Bible's emphasis on grace is perfectly correct. And our scriptures say the same thing. Only through his grace 
can we find perfect love and the divine shakti, the divine energy? We interpret grace to mean the guru's grace. We interpret grace to mean the guru's grace. But it's not different from God's grace. The guru gives people God's grace. It's a good question you've asked. However, we should be worthy of grace. By the grace of the guru, the divine shakti is awakened and pure love is released inside of us. Of course, he's talking about what we call kundalini awakening or the awakening of understanding of the self, the awakening of spirituality. We are supporters of the guru. We worship the guru as God. We believe he exists inside and outside. He teaches us from outside and visits us in our sahasrar, in our topmost center. <clears throat> Once the king of Baghdad uh, set out to conquer India, he went to this priest to get his blessings. Reverend sir, I'm going to conquer India. I've heard there are many good things there. Would you like me to bring you something? <clears throat> the priest said, please bring me a good guru from India so I can receive God's grace through him and be saved. <laughs> That's the end of the story. <clears throat> Enjoy? Okay, great. <clears throat> Let's see. Another one. Sydney again. Question. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. What does he mean in the fullest sense, in the highest sense? I feel that all is one, and one in all, and that through Jesus Christ, I've been led to Gurudev Muktananda. Question is, Baba, you have a very good heart and a very good understanding. See, we're, we're sectarian, but God is not sectarian. Uh, we always say our guru is greater than your guru, and our guru is the only way, and our guru is the greatest uh, avatar and the greatest realizer, and your guru is not. And we do all that, but God looks at it and says, ego. <clears throat> so he says, what Jesus w was said was also said by many of our saints who came before him. Bashushtha said this to his disciples, you can know the truth through me. After him came the sage Vyas. He also said, you can find liberation through me. Not long ago, we had great saints like Yanashwar and Tukaram Maharaj in Maharashtra, about a thousand years ago, not very long ago. <clears throat> Tukaram said, you can reach God through me. If you follow me, the way will be e easy and simple. And Yanishwa said the same thing too. So many of the Indian sages have spoken in the same language. It seems that it was the idiom of the time. I like your ideas. <clears throat> However, we give great importance to the teacher who is our guide and helper and is right in our midst. Saying the living gurus and the one who's here we emphasize. I have great respect for Jesus. I belong to the tradition of saints, and I love the saints of all countries. I'm always mentioning saints from different countries in my talks. And I got two more. We have time? Yeah, we can go. You ready? 
<clears throat> okay, again from Sydney. Uh, question. Are Christ's teachings compatible with Siddha Yoga? So Baba says, I look upon Christ as a great Siddha. A Siddha means a realized being, great realizer of the self. <clears throat> he gave his grace to all kinds of people and showed them the way to God. There was a great Rishi in India, a great sage, called Bharadvaja, who had a disciple called Sudikshan. One day Bharadvaja was deep in prayer and meditation on Lord Ram. When Ram appeared before him, Bharadvaja went to him and bowed before him, and then they both went to where Sukhtishan lived. So the, the, uh, the guru and God went to see the disciple. Sukhtishan was sitting in his hut, absorbed in meditation on Ram. His guru knocked at the door, and when he came out, Sukhtishan saw both his guru and the Lord himself. The custom in India was to bow to your guru and to your father and mother. <clears throat> I remember when my mother visited, um, and Baba sent us on a little tour around Maharashtra, one place we went to Yola, where Baba had done his sadhana, and we went to the devotee's house, and there was a little old lady, the old grandmother in the place, and <laughs> she came out and saw my mother, and she bowed to my mother. My mother almost freaked out. <laughs> it happened before. I was very vastly amused. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> um, Sukhdeshan began to wonder, whom should he bow to first, to his guru or to the Lord? If I bow to my guru first, it mightn't be proper because Lord Ram is so great. But if I bow to Ram first, that wouldn't be right either because for me, there's no greater than my guru. He thought over for a while and then he sang a verse. My guru and the Lord are standing before me. Whose feet should I touch first? I decided to bow to my guru first because he had shown me God. I've come to know God through my guru. So he bowed to his guru. Like that stuff. <clears throat> so if, if uh, the Lord and, and Baba were standing in front of me, I would bow to Baba. You know? Jesus was a great giver of grace, the grace of the sitters. I've read that he gave his grace wherever he went. If he saw a man fallen by the way, he gave him his grace. Even if he was faced with a fool, he didn't withhold his grace. Yes, Christ's teachings are compatible with Siddha Yoga. I went to speak at a Quaker center in Melbourne, and I found the words written, See the kingdom of heaven within. This is the teaching of Siddha Yoga. Don't believe God's up there. Believe he's in here. <clears throat> the thing about Baba is he never created differences. He always saw the oneness behind all things. When you become uh, uh, a dogmatist, uh, and into uh, you, you become separative, and you always see differences, and my way and your way. But but when you have the vision of unity, which is what Baba has attained and what all the great beings have attained, you see the oneness behind all of it in every in every path. <clears throat> and finally, one more. Uh, okay. 
This is also Sydney. Questioner, please could you explain the significance of certain happenings in meditation? For example, light and sound. Surely the aim of meditation is not necessarily to enjoy these happenings, but to transcend them. <clears throat> so, Baba, of course, famously wrote in his book about all the meditation experiences that he had. He saw lights, he heard sounds, he saw visions, he traveled to other planes and so on. Um, <clears throat> but then there's a particular uh, school of yoga that minimizes these experiences and say, uh, you know, they say, like, if you see uh, Krishna dancing in blue light, don't worry about it, you'll get over it. That's the way they, the attitude they take. Baba doesn't like that attitude. But Baba also knows that they're not the ultimate goal either. So Baba had to deal with what was in front of him. You see how he does. He says, Baba, you have to transcend them, but you have to do it with them. You can't be a snob about it and say, these experiences are beneath me. <clears throat> these experiences transcend ordinary experience. And even when you transcend these experiences, don't you still experience the same reality of which light and sound are manifestations? So it's somehow you can't get there by rejecting these things that happen in meditation, but through accepting of them. The self is manifest in consciousness in the form of light. So when you see light, you see the self. It means when you see inner light. <clears throat> it is a transcendent experience. And that light will lead you to the supreme light. The sound or nada will lead you, will also lead you there. And nada is the inner sound. Many people in meditation hear the sound of chanting or the om or different kinds of sounds. There's a particular method called nada yoga, which I practiced in my early days of yoga before I met Baba. And we would sit and listen keenly to the inner sound. <clears throat> he says, not as the road leading to the place of God, uh, or it is the vehicle taking you there. So he says, okay, so don't, don't minimize these experiences. But then he goes beyond it, too. He says, the highest goal, however, is the transcendent light, which is absolutely silent. It's described in the Guru Gita, nishabdam tadvijaniyat Svabhavam Brahmaparvati. You might know that verse if you do the Guru Gita. O Parvati, know that the nature of Brahman is silence. Brahman or the absolute. <clears throat> this is a characteristic of Parabrahman's silence, stillness, and detachment. This is beyond all these lights and, and sounds. <clears throat> Vasishtha was teaching Lord Ram about the ultimate truth. He's using all these old uh, figures from scriptures. Vashishta is a great sage, um, and he was Lord Ram. Lord Ram was the incarnation of God, but still he had a guru, the sage Vashishta. And so Vashishta uh, educated him. Uh, and there's a great text called the Yoga Vashishta, which is purportedly about that. I'm not sure if it's word for word about what happened, but anyway. <clears throat> he says, he's teaching Lord Ram about the ultimate truth. His teaching is contained in the book called Yoga Vashishta. 
he would answer all of Ram's questions in the form of stories like I do. But his stories were very long and mine are short. <laughs> Yoga Vashishta has stories that go 40 pages, incredibly long stories, and they're quite psychedelic. Uh, I haven't, I've been used to teach from the Yoga Vashishta, I haven't for a long time. But if anybody begged me, I might go back to it. <clears throat> and the, um, the incredibly psychedelic stories, like there'll be a person sitting and he goes into meditation. And next thing, he's in another universe, in another body, and he does this, he goes through all kinds of experiences. He becomes a beggar, he becomes a king. He goes back and forth, and so many different things happen, and he's beaten, and he's praised, and all this, and then suddenly wakes up and he's sitting meditating where he was after 40 pages of all this. <laughs> They're really wonderful stories. <clears throat> At the end, Ram asked him, Lord, show me para Brahman, just as he is. Show me the absolute. Show me pure consciousness, just as he is. And the great Rishi, the great sage, listened to this and fell silent for a long time. His breath didn't move, his body didn't move. His eyes stayed closed. Ram was taken aback. What happened, he thought. I just asked him a simple question, and he's done this. Perhaps my question wasn't proper. <clears throat> While he was thinking this, Vishishta slowly opened his eyes, but still he didn't say anything. Then Ram said, Lord, can I ask you something? Yes, yes. Did I make a mistake when I asked you that question? Was it unsuitable, unscriptural, or improper? Vishishta said, no, no. It was a very good question, a real question, the kind of question that should be asked. Papa had a, made a very big deal about asking the right question. You should ask questions that should be asked. And the question is always one question. How can I make spiritual progress? How can I know the self? What do I need to do to make progress on the path? That's the question that, that Papa wanted people asking. <clears throat> he says, so Ram said, but you didn't say anything. You were completely silent. Vishishta said, no, no, Ram. I was showing you the answers. It really is. You asked me to tell you what the nature of the ultimate truth is, what it really is, and that's how it is, detached, without speech, beyond the mind, without sound, beyond the senses. So that's why I became like that. I went into that space. Giving lectures is commonplace, but the reality of the Lord is not commonplace and ordinary. Absolute silence is the most perfect lecture. And they said that the great beings like Bhagavan Nityananda used to teach in silence, just sitting there you would experience the truth. <clears throat> the greatest lecture, the Maha lecture, and therefore, uh, and therefore the guru removes his disciples' doubts through his silent teaching. You read every day in the Guru Gita that God is silence. He's without memory, without thought, without reflection, without outside, without inside, without weight, and without depth. When everything has been not denied, the self is all that remains. 
This is uh, the neti-neti approach, apoplotic. And whatever you can think of or see, you, you eliminate. And at the end of that whole process of elimination, you come to the divine. You get rid of all, all this stuff. <clears throat> Baba says, you should see the light in meditation because it is the light of the self. You should hear the nada, the sound, because it is the speech of God. God speaks to us through the nada. You should feel the shakti in meditation because that is the feeling of God. All these experiences are within the goal of meditation. I've described a particular form of God, so that form is the particular aim of meditation. In reality, everything is pervaded by God. When you look at a beautiful form, you become still and detached, and that is the stillness and detachment of the form of God. When you listen to a beautiful sound, you become still, and that stillness is the sound of God. When you meet a friend and embrace him, you are still for a moment out of joy, and that also is the stillness of God. <clears throat> Whenever the mind becomes still and detached, you experience Brahman right there. Don't think that you have to turn your mind away from all these things. The experience of God is in them too. So that's what Baba was, because they were, he was in denial about these things and being superior to them. And Baba's saying, a real Shaivite point of view, tantric point of view, find God in everything. Find God at the core of your experience, and that is the path of Kashmir Shaivism. So <clears throat> in honor of Jesus, we've, uh, we've looked at some of Baba's teachings, and let's meditate. Let's, uh, let's follow his advice. <clears throat> Here in Christmas, we'll meditate for 10 minutes. And when you meditate, turn within with no expectations. One of the big obstacles to meditation is you expect a certain thing. Maybe you expect those lights those sounds, those visions. You expect all these things. But actually, when you turn within and, and focus inside, whatever, you, whatever happens is the meditation you're having, and it's perfectly good. And be with that. It may be discomfort. It may be itching. It may be boredom. It may be seeing Jesus dancing in blue light with Lord Krishna. <coughs> maybe anything, uh, but whatever it is, honor that as the play of the divine. And if you honor it, then it will reveal itself, it will open up and take you deeper and reveal deeper layers of that experience. So let's meditate on whatever arises as God. In honor of Jesus, whatever arises is the divine. Jesus was a being who saw God everywhere. He was the agent of God. He gave grace to so many people, and his influence is still enormous. And so let, let's meditate in that spirit. So once again, with great respect and love, remembering uh, the holy day of Jesus, 
I welcome you all with all my heart. Sat Maharaj Ki Jai. Let's meditate for 10 minutes. <laughs> 